0: To. Open your Bibles, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Certainly, there's a breeze from another country blowing in the service tonight. And we're always glad and grateful for the rich and real presence of the Lord. Absolutely. Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. I'm so pleased to have my dear friend, Brother Jake Potter, with me in the service tonight, and one of his men, Scott. Appreciate the preacher brethren that are with us in the service. I'm mindful that the word busy does not even come close in describing and depicting a preacher's life. So thank God for the men of God that are with us and a strong number, a strong number of people from the Calvary Baptist Church. I'm always a little bit nervous when I'm in a revival meeting or in a Bible conference and visitors outnumber the members. But there is a strong representation of the church and certainly it speaks well, Dr. Hazelip, of this wonderful church family and their desire to have a real, genuine, authentic move of God. Danielle, so good to see you, sis, in the service. Appreciate the preacher's daughter being here. Just got out of ladies' prison about five minutes ago. <laughs> and we're so glad that she's here. Thank you, sis, for being in the service. Gospel of Mark, chapter number six. I'll begin reading with verse number 21 through verse number 29 where we find the text of the message. I'll be very transparent in telling you that this was not, this was not the message that I wanted to preach tonight. In fact, I had another outline in my Bible. And as I went for the doorknob of my motel room to head to the service. God seemed to say in my heart, "Uh uh-uh. And so I told the Lord that whatever He said "Uh uh-huh to, I'd preach. And so although this was not what I wanted to preach, I believe it's what God wants me to preach, and it's the message that I got the uh uh-huh to. Gospel of Mark, chapter number 6, and I'll begin reading with verse number 21 through verse number 29, where we find the text to the message. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth. And said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me, by and by, in a charger, the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet for his oath's sake, and for their sakes which sat with him, He would not reject her. Now I'm not going to preach entirely from this 26th verse that's found here in this 6th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I cannot read it without making some type of a comment. I've made a mental note in the margin in connection to that phrase and the king was exceedingly sorry. I've made the mental note that this was true In more than one sense. Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Please look back with me at verse number 27. Gospel of Mark chapter 6 and verse number 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison. And for a few moments I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, cutting off the voice of God. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If I know my heart, I want to be a blessing. But the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory bless and protect my precious family as I am away give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from tonight and Lord I'd request oh how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling for we ask these things in Jesus name and for his sake amen And you may be seated. The voice of God is an extremely fragile sound. It can be ignored, drowned out, and even severed. Every unbeliever and believer that has silenced this sound has lived to regret it. It would be worlds better if a man never heard the song of a bird, the laughter of a baby, or the rippling of a brook, than to hear, never hear the still, small voice of deity, cutting off the voice of God. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, we find the twelve sent out, John the Baptist beheaded, and the apostles return. Now the theme, the topic, the truth uh, of this chapter, Mark chapter 6, is the triumphs and tragedies in Galilee. The nine verses that are before us deal with the tragedy, and that is John the Baptist beheaded. This section of Scripture where we have John the Baptist beheaded could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. Herod's party, verse 21. Herod's pleasure, verse 22. Herod's promise, verse 23. Herod's what I call painted lady, verses 24 And 25. Herod's pride, verse 26, and then Herod's prisoner, verses 27 through 29. It is while the apostle Mark is stealing. Under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with Herod's prisoner, that a person reads one of the saddest verses in all of the scriptures. Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner, and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. The even more sorrowful sister verse of Mark 6:27 is Luke 23, 9. And let me just say in passing that every verse in the Bible has what I call a sister verse. And that sister verse will often throw more light upon the verse that you're musing, meditating, or making a study of. The sister verse of Mark 6 uh, and 27 is Luke 23, 9. Then he, Herod, questioned with him Christ in many words, but he, Christ, answered him, Herod, nothing. Herein lies Herod's horrible result for having the head of John the Baptist hacked off. When the Lord Jesus Christ stands before him On his way to Calvary, a deafening answer of silence rings in the ears of Herod to every single question he submits to the Son of God. Now this may shock you. This may startle you. This may even surprise you. But here is the only sinner in the four Gospels, the only sinner that the Savior refused to speak to. You see the sovereign wasn't going to hear a word from the Savior after the sovereign had the head of a servant put on a platter. Never forget, it is possible for both the unbeliever and the believer to get in a position when they've silenced God speaking to their person. Now, if you miss everything that I preached tonight, I pray that you would not miss that. And it even bears repeating, it is possible and yes, even probable for both the unbeliever and the believer to get in a position when they've silenced God speaking to their person. You talk about a revival. You talk about a mighty move of God. You talk about a spiritual awakening. Why, we'd have a revival that would make the history books of heaven and the headlines of heaven if we could just get the believers that are in this service and within driving distance of this house of God to stop to cease to quit silencing the voice of God in their lives friend you and I those of us that are saved can be committing can be committing certain sins that will always sever God's wonderful voice in our soul oh i want to hear from God every day i want to hear from God every hour i want to hear from God every minute i want to hear from God yes every second and I don't want to get in the place of my Christian life where as a believer, I've done the same thing that Herod did in silencing the sound of heaven in my soul. Quickly, let me give you tonight 518 things. 518 things, I just wanted to see who was listening. I know some of you were because you took a hymn book and started to slit your wrist with a hymn book page. But quickly, let me give you tonight uh, several iniquities that will there cut off the voice of God to a believer. Now, Herod was an unbeliever and he silenced God's sound in his soul. But a believer, uh, a child of God, a Christian can do the very same thing. Now, you may want to take out a pencil and somewhere in your Bibles scratch these things down, but my, how it would be far better if God we're to take an eternal pen and write these things upon my heart and upon your heart as well, cutting off the voice of God. Number one, skip the church. Yeah. Hebrews ten twenty five, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. When the believer skips the church, uh, they will cut off God's wonderful voice in their soul. In Hebrews ten twenty five, <clears throat> the apostle Paul tells us that the Christian is to make sure that they attend church services and that they're even uh, to add more church services to their life as they sense we're drawing closer to Christ's second coming. Right. As the newspaper, television, and radio report that these are the days of apostasy, these are the days of apathy, and these are the days of anarchy. And so the child of God shouldn't be trying to subtract church services, but they add church services to their weekly schedules. Can I go ahead and preach? When one-time fundamentalists are calling a previous pope one of the greatest moral and spiritual leaders of this century When churches get bigger crowds for a sporting event than a soul winning evening, and when one almost fears for their very life as they're pumping gas at their own neighborhood gas station, friend, it is 30 minutes past time to beat it down to the house of God for a church service. Friend, you and I cut off the voice of God when we skip the church. The Bible says in 2 Peter three eighteen, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you and I fly the coop, when it comes to the church, in a real sense, we're doing the very same thing that Herod did to John the Baptist. You say, Dr. Hamlin, we're here and you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Well, every once in a while, the choir needs to be hung over hell till they smoke. With that truth firmly fixed in all of our minds, there is really no need of beating around the bush when it comes to this matter of faithfulness to all church services. You and I are fooling ourselves if we think we're going to grow spiritually and stay in bed under the covers during Sunday school bedside baptist has never had a good sunday school program and it never will and the reason that people don't come to sunday school is because they're lovers of the covers you and i are kidding ourselves if we think we're going to grow spiritually and only come to church on sunday morning services on christmas and easter man i feel sorry for the christian that doesn't recognize the church unless it's decorated in Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies. I heard a black preacher say one time, when it comes to church, some people only come when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. Hello. And friend, you and I are absolutely missing the mark if we think we're going to go spiritually and only come to the Sunday morning services on Christmas and Easter. You and I are bamboozling ourselves when we think we're going to go spiritually and let what's on television on Sunday night be more important than what's on the preacher's heart on Sunday night. You and I are hoodwinking ourselves if we think we're going to grow spiritually and choose to work overtime during the midweek prayer meeting. And last, and by no means least of all, you and I are there deceiving ourselves if we think we're going to grow spiritually and purposely plan other things when our church is in a revival meeting. You see, Herod cut off the voice of God. And as a believer, I will cut off the voice of God and you will cut off the voice of God, and all of us will cut off the voice of God by skipping the church. I like a sign that I read years ago in a small country church. The sign said on their marquee visitors welcome, members expected. And friend, I believe that there's a God in heaven that feels the very same way about it. Visitors welcome, but members expected. And you and I will sever the sound of heaven in our soul when we skip, when we skip, when we skip the church. I remember reading about an elderly lady who was asked one time about her son-in-law's church attendance. Is he a church member, they wondered. Well, yes. The elderly lady hesitantly replied, at least he's a trunk member. When asked for an explanation, the dear sister replied, that's what I've always called those church members who join a church and then put their membership letter in the bottom of the trunk. There it lays, whether they move about or stay in one place for 30 years. They seldom go to church. They take little or no part in the services, They contribute irregularly, if at all. They aren't aren't active members working for the Lord. They're just trunk members. And Christian, if I can say to you, would to God that none of us would be a trunk member in silencing the sound of heaven in our souls. You see, we cut off the voice of God when we skip the church. Number two, let me hasten it. I know I'm going to get stuck here. Number two, snub the preacher. Romans ten fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed, and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? When the believer snubs the preacher, uh, they uh, cut off God's wonderful voice in their soul. In Romans 10:14, the apostle Paul tells us that for people, whether they're an unbeliever or a believer, to hearken and hear the truth, there must be some at some point and some place a heralder, someone who delivers the message placed in their path. Friend, you and I cut off the voice of God when we snub the preacher when you and I cold shoulder um, a preacher uh, in a real sense, we're doing the very same thing that Herod did to John the Baptist. Did I mention I want to hear the voice of God? I mean, I want to hear it every day. I want to hear it every hour. I want to hear it every minute. Uh, Dr. Hazelip, I want to hear the voice of God every second. I don't want to do anything that would silence heaven In my soul. But dear friend. If I there snub a preacher. I cut off God's voice. Now. I think that good preaching. Not only points out the problem. But it also presents a solution. And I want to give you some things tonight. That practical things. That a Christian can plug into their life right now to ever commit the sin of ignoring God's man. And I believe in practical preaching. I mean, what good are cufflinks on a short sleeve shirt? <laughs> so there's some practical things that, that, that I want to give you that you may want to write down somewhere that you can plug into your life right now. I mean, right now. My mentor, Dr. Tom Malone Sr., God bless his saint in memory, Brother Potter, he used to say, what good is it for you to tell people how far it is from Jerusalem to Jericho if you don't get a soul to Calvary? And I'm afraid there's a whole lot of preaching that gives us all kinds of facts, but we can't do anything with it. I want to be the kind of preacher that if you get mad, at least you know what I said, and if you'll halfway try it, it'll help your Christian life. Practical things that you and I can do to keep from ever ignoring uh, God's man. First of all, concentrate on a preacher's message. Revelation 2.7, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. A practical thing that a Christian can do to keep from ever ignoring God's man uh, is to concentrate on a preacher's message every year should be tuned in to what the minister is saying when he's standing behind the sacred desk because that is the way that the Holy Spirit deliberately speaks to the members. Now I know people don't concentrate when preaching's going on. I know they don't listen and here's why. They'll come to the book table and they won't argue. And I don't know if I mentioned in this meeting or not, but we do not argue at the book table. We buy books at the book table. And they'll come to the book table and Dr. Hazelip, they'll want to argue and they'll say, "I, I didn't appreciate Dr. Hamlin what you said tonight. And I'll say, well, what is it that I said? And they'll quote about one third of what I said. And I'll tell them, if you would have just listened and got the whole statement, you could be even madder than you are right now concentrate on a preacher's message. Now, don't cut your eyes at the pastor to see if he can handle it. He's all right. I'm watching some of you to see if you can handle it. Concentrate, concentrate concentrate on a preacher's message. I, I recall when our children were little, they're now grown and have families of their own, but I remember when they were little, they would be with Mrs. Hamlin and I in meetings, and we would never do it in front of anyone, would never embarrass them. But when we were alone, when we were in the car, going from the meeting uh, to the motel or the meeting for a bite to eat with the pastor and his family, Mrs. Hamlin and I would there say to our children, now, now what, what did Dad preach on? And they'd say things like, the Bible (laughs) they'd say things like Jesus they'd say things like sin and I'd say, no, that's wonderful, but can you be a little bit more specific? And that's about how far it went because they weren't paying attention. But my, uh, painted in my mind uh, is one night that I don't think I'll soon forget. We had gotten out of the service. We were going out to eat with the preacher and his family. We'd gotten in the car. I'd hardly closed the door. Mrs. Hamlin had said then to our teenage son Aaron and our teenage daughter Sarah, what did dad preach? And my son said, I know I know, I know what Pops preached. He preached on the prodigal who stayed home. I was shocked. And Mrs. Hamlin said, well, what do you remember about the message? He said, point one, and he gave it. He said, point two, and he gave it. He said when Pops preaches that second point is always that fat point and it's got three subpoints. And I mean he rattled off those three subpoints, and I about was ready to have my own personal camp meeting, but I made the mistake of looking in the rearview mirror, and he was holding the outline, reading it to his mother. I hate it when they act like her side of the family. I hate it. Concentrate on a preacher's message secondly consider a preacher's advice proverbs 11:14 where no counsel is the people fall but in the multitude of counselors there is safety oh a practical thing uh, that a christian can do to keep from ignoring god's man is consider a preacher's advice, it would be impossible, listen, to even guess at the believers that could have been helped and the homes that could have been held together if people have just taken the counsel of a man of God. Now I'm going to make a statement that's going to absolutely rock your world. But as a preacher, there are times that we miss it. As a preacher, there are times in giving advice where we just plainly miss it. But on the heels of that, let me say, even when we give advice and we miss it, it is better advice than what you'll get on the internet. It is better advice than what you'll get over your neighbor's fence. It is better advice than what you'd get from a pal or a personal friend. Because even, Dr. Hayslip, when we miss it, it is still advice that is from the Bible, from a heart to help, and they're bathed in prayer. So even when we miss it, it's still better than what you'd get outside of church. I received a phone call that every preacher who's preached any length of time will receive many times over. Before I could answer it, it immediately went to voicemail. And the person who made the call did not really want me to pick up the call. They just wanted to leave a message. And so I retrieved the voicemail and I heard a familiar voice on the other side of that phone on that voicemail message. And he said, Dr. Hamlin, I wish I could turn back time. I wish I could go back to Bible college that night that I came to hear you preach in a revival meeting, and I asked you for some counsel. And you said, "Well, let me talk to you after the service." And when the service is over, you took me aside, and you tried to help me, and you warned me, uh, and you told me uh, what the dangers were of going the direction that I wanted to go. And he said, "And I don't say this with a happy heart. I say it with a heavy heart." He said, "I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have. I could turn back the hands of time." I wish I could go back to that revival meeting when you pleaded with me and prayed for me and pressed me not to make the wrong decision. You see tonight that young man never finished Bible college. Tonight that young man never made it to the ministry. Tonight that young man uh, he uh, sleeps in one home and his ex-wife sleeps in another home and their children are with uh, his ex-wife. You say preacher what are you saying? I'm saying, if I were you, I'd be real careful. I'd be real cautious. Man, I wish somebody would help me preach tonight and just blow it off the man of God and what he has to say. Consider a preacher's advice. Now, while I'm on that, let me go ahead and get on this. Don't bug him about what color your skateboard ought to be. Don't bother your head, I'll throw a hymn book at you. Don't bother him about how much air pressure ought to be in the tires of your car. Don't set up an appointment and say, preacher, uh, what color should my car be? He's got better things to do than that. Don't, don't bother him by saying, uh, well, preacher, uh, should we eat uh, uh, Cocoa Puffs uh, or Lucky Charms? You ought to have... Somebody help me preach tonight. It ought to have some spiritual import to it. He's not trying to run your life. He you didn't want to pick the curtains in your kitchen. Hello. But when it comes to a major decision, when it comes to a life changing decision, oh, dear friend, hear me and hear me well. Well, to consider a preacher's advice. Thirdly, count on a preacher's supplication. James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Oh, a practical thing that a Christian can do to keep from ever ignoring God's man is their count on a preacher's supplication. When you face any kind of problem, peril, or predicament, ask a preacher that you have great confidence in to pray for you call oh, that every Christian that was in this service uh, would attempt this second, these practical things uh, of uh, their concentrating on a preacher's message, considering a preacher's advice, uh, and counting uh, on a preacher's uh, supplication. Because if we do these things as practical uh, and as basic as they are, we will there keep from ignoring God's man. There was a butcher who ran a little shop on the edge of London. He decided one Sunday that he would go to town to hear the great preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, His wife chose not to go with him, so the butcher went to town, went to the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and returned home. That afternoon, his wife began to query uh, and question about the service. What songs did they sing? I don't remember. Well, what was his text? Again, the reply, I don't recall. Somewhat exasperated, his wife said to him, and by the way, if two questions exasperate a woman, she's a hag. (laughs) Hello. If two questions push her off the edge, oh, you need some preaching on the home, what you really need. Two questions, she got exasperated. And she said, What good did it you, what good did it for you to go and hear the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon? And the butcher replied, after thinking for a moment, What good, what good, what good. I'll tell you what good. He said, you know those scales out in the shop that really uh, weigh just 14 ounces to the pound. Well, before we open for business in the morning I'm going to correct those scales to where they weigh a full 16 ounces to the pound. You see that butcher may have been skilled with a neat cleaver but he still had good sense in allowing the man of God to preach to him and for him to make the Adjustments. Oh, dear friend, you and I cut off the voice of God when we there snub the preacher. Then, number three, and last of all, not only skip the church and snub the preacher, but number three, and last of all, sadden the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 4:30 And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. When the believer sends the Holy Ghost, they cut off God's wonderful voice to their soul. In Ephesians 4.30, the apostle Paul tells us that it is possible for the believer to distress, listen, the third person of the Trinity who took up the permanent dwelling in their person, the second that they got saved. The word grieve in the Greek language means to be in heaviness or sorrow. That is a startling truth. And Dr. Hayslip, what that means is that our wrong actions and our wrong attitudes as believers cause, listen, the Holy Spirit to experience, oh my, the exact same emotion a person feels when they stand at the heart-wrenching entrance of an extremely close loved one's grave, especially when you take it to the 100th power. You see, when a loved one passes we go through a grieving time. Even if they're saved, we still grieve. When a friend passes, we go through a grieving time, even if they're saved. And that is the very same experience that the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God goes through when you and I commit, listen carefully, wrong attitudes, and wrong actions. The great Bible student G. Campbell Morgan once said, how would you like to live with somebody who is everlastingly grieving you by their conduct? Now, can I give you tonight a little bit of theology? Not too much that would hurt you, but just a little bit. The Old Testament temple is a building. The New Testament temple is a body. That means when you got saved, the Spirit of God came in and took up permanent occupants. I think about those two precious individuals right over here Sunday morning that couple uh, their children rode the bus and they came to the house of God yesterday and both of them uh, somebody helped me preach both of them got saved both of them got washed in that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains they were birthed from above they had their names uh, put down in the Lamb's book of life and when they said yes to Jesus uh, right over here when they said yes to Jesus the spirit of God moved in and took up permanent occupants you see when you got saved that's when the spirit of God moved in and the Old Testament temple was a building the New Testament temple is a body and when you get saved God moves in quickly take your Bibles And go back a couple chapters to Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1, it's the baptism of Jesus. And it's one of those places where in the Bible, Brother Potter, we see all three members of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word isn't, but they are. Here's one of those places in the Bible where they all step on the scene of Scripture together. Look at verse number 10 of chapter 1. And straightway, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. Now the Bible is a book of divine detail. Everything that's in the Bible is supposed to be in the Bible. And here you see in the scripture that it is not an owl, it, it, it is not a raven, it is not a sparrow, why it is not even an eagle and the Bible always speaks well of eagles here in Mark 1:10 it is a dove Of all the winged creatures in the winged world, the dove is the most sensitive and the dove is the most easily. Startled. And so here Jesus, God the Son, is being baptized. God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And God the Spirit, oh my, God the Spirit, oh my, God the Spirit, oh my, my, descends upon God the Son as God the Father speaks. And how does he come? He comes as a dove. So when you and I get saved, what happens is the dove moves in. Now in a few short days from me, it'll be 37 years that the dove, sir, has took up permanent occupants. For 37 years, preacher, the dove's been on the inside. For 37 years, I've never taken a step I've never said a word. I've never gone anywhere. But what the dove has been the silent witness and the silent companion to everything in my life because he came in when I got saved. Now, for this crowd tonight, it is not our wrong actions that affect the dove. I don't think there's anybody in the crowd uh, today that robbed a bank. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody in the crowd uh, tonight that, uh, that murdered anybody. I could be wrong, but I don't think we have any murderers that are fresh from the last service in the service tonight. I don't think there's anybody in the crowd who, who uh, is, uh, I pray they're not, cheating on their spouse. And by the way, if you are, it's going to come out. If, if you are, it's going to come out. If you are, it's gonna come out. And God in His goodness and grace has just warned you right now. Amen. So I, I don't I don't think the problem tonight, I don't, I don't think the problem tonight, I, I I don't think the problem tonight, I could be wrong, is wrong actions. As much as it is, wrong, are you ready? Attitudes. By the way, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once said, God bless his saint in memory, he once said, every bad thought will birth a bad action. In other words, what he was saying is, it is wrong attitudes that birth wrong actions. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. And so tonight, our problem is not wrong actions. Our problem is wrong attitudes. And Dr. Hayes left wrong attitudes Grieve, startle, uh, there upset the dove just as much as wrong actions. Well, I don't know why we have to have a revival meeting in August. Wait a minute, hold it, hold it, wait a minute, hold it, wait a minute, hold it. You're upsetting the dove. Well, I don't know why Sister So and So had to sing, and I didn't. Wait, hold it, hold it, wait a minute, hold it, hold it. Upsetting the dove. Well, I don't know why that preacher preaches so long because you need every bit of it. Say amen right there. Hold it, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, wait a minute. You're upsetting the dove. And my brother, the average Christian, dwells on wrong actions. I mean, they're in church every time the doors are open. They have every preacher from Dan to Beersheba sign their Bible. They sit on the front row just like you. But they, they, they don't catch it's wrong attitudes that lead to wrong actions. And by the time we're in wrong actions, we've already been in trouble yeah. because of wrong attitudes. Let me try to illustrate. A number of years ago, I was, I was changing planes in, uh, in Philadelphia. And for some reason, I had to fly from uh, Detroit to Philadelphia to Atlanta where I was to preach in Atlanta that night for our Dr. Hazlip and I and mutual friend Dr. Joe Arthur. And for me to make it to preach that night in Atlanta, I, I, I had to make sure that all my flights worked and everything uh, was seamless and there were no hiccups along the way. And so uh, for some reason, I went from Detroit to Philadelphia and then from Philadelphia to Atlanta. And uh, I was changing planes in Atlanta and I'd taken a call and I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention preacher like I should have. And somehow, I don't, to this day, I don't know how I did it. Somehow, I got out of, the, uh, out of the restricted area. I got out of that area where you have to go through TSA. To, I mean, I, got, I, well, I was where I shouldn't have been. And I thought, oh no, oh no. And I had about maybe 15 minutes and so I went and found the TSA checkpoint and Brother Potter I had to go back through the TSA checkpoint and I had to explain to them why I got out of that security area and every time I fly I don't know why it is they, they, they treat me like I'm a terrorist and if terrorists look like me we got problems. But, I mean, they search me and they hassle me. And it, it's really hard keeping a good spirit, just being honest. And, and, and I just knew it would be a hassle, Dr. Hazelip. I knew it would be. And uh, I took that call and somehow I got distracted and I got out of the area that I shouldn't have gotten out of. And so I'm standing back in line of the TSA and I'm going to have to explain to them why I got out of that area. And I got about 15, <coughs> 20 minutes to catch that flight and uh, and Mrs. Hamlin called. And so, of course, I took her call. And I'm standing in line. I've got my boarding pass out. I'm going to, have to explain how I got out of the restricted area. i got to quickly catch my flight. And, and Mrs. Hamlin said, hey, hey, babe, how are you? I said, I'm great. She said, are you on the plane yet? I said, not yet. She said, well, you only have 18 minutes. I said, yes, I know that. She said, well, why aren't you on the plane yet? I said, well, I, I, somehow, somehow I got out of the restricted area. And she started to laugh. That isn't always a blessing, fellas when your wife thinks something's funny that you don't think is funny? Things that ought to be funny, they don't laugh at. Things that are, well, we won't go there, girlfriend. But she said, she said, you got eight, you got seven, you got 17 minutes? And she said, you know how they hassle you? You'll never catch that flight. She laughed, she thought that was hilarious. I said, well, I appreciate that, babe. I said, you just pray. I said, let, let me go through this uh, TSA checkpoint, and and, let me, and I'll call you when I get on the plane. She said, okay, you go ahead and call me, but you're going to make the flight. And she just laughed. I said, all right, babe, I said, got to go. I'll call you in just a minute. And she said goodbye, and I said goodbye. And when I hung up, when I hung up, when I hung up the call, that dove on the inside said, you want to preach with power tonight? You want to preach tonight with my touch? You, you, you want to preach with the hand of God on you? That dove on the inside preacher, he said, you better call and make that right. So I stepped out of the line. Now I'm down to like 15 minutes. I stepped out of the line and called her back. She answered and said, there's no way you're on the plane. There is no way you got through. I said, I'm not. She said, well, what's wrong? I said, I need to call and apologize to you. I was turt. She said, oh, no, you weren't turt. I said, yes, yes, I was turt, and I need to apologize. She said, oh, no, you don't need to. We almost got an argument. (laughs) Here, I'm trying to make this thing right. We almost had a problem. I know you visitors from heaven. That never happens. She said, oh, no, I didn't take that way. I said, you may not have taken it that way. But, but the dove on the inside, he took it that way. And he said, you better make this thing right if you're ever going to preach with power tonight in Atlanta, Georgia. You know what I want to get to in my Christian life, the place where just a moment he's unsettled. Just a moment... And, and it may not be something that unsettles you. But you know what? If it unsettles him, it sure ought to unsettle me. And I want to get to that place where as soon as he's uncomfortable, my brother, I'm uncomfortable. Sadden the Holy Ghost. I bet I'd say a whole lot less. About others. If I thought about that dove on the inside. I bet I wouldn't act a fool on social media. Do you realize social media provides us a couch in the home of other people's stupidity? And I bet I'd be a whole lot quicker or a whole lot slower I should say to say some things on social media if I thought about that Dove. No. Amen. Amen. I think I'd be a better church member. I think I'd be a whole lot more cooperative. I think I'd be a whole lot more supportive just as soon the Holy Ghost Got distressed. It distressed me. Back to Mark chapter 6, please. In the Middle East, there was a certain guide who had with him all the time a courier pigeon. And whenever this guide would get lost, he had tied to that courier pigeon's leg a line a string and whenever he got lost he would pull that courier pigeon out of his coat where he carried it and would release that courier pigeon connected to that line, that string that was attached to him and that courier pigeon would get altitude and would figure out where it was at and and Brother Potter, it would immediately head towards home and when the courier pigeon got its destination, that Middle Eastern guide would know immediately where he was at. From that practice, the other tour guides gave him the nickname Dove Man. Dove Man. The other tour guides called him Dove Man because he carried that bird with him all the time and whenever he needed to know where he was at and where he needed to go, he'd release that dove or that courier pigeon that he had with him. And I say to you and I tonight, we have inside of our breasts the spirit of God and would to God we become more sensitive and more serious about his leading, about his direction, uh, about what upsets him, what unsettles him. I mean, it'll help your home. Uh, it'll help your relationship with other people. It'll help your church. Uh, it will all together help your Christian life. Amen. We realize we don't want to do anything to sadden the Holy Ghost. Would you please look at our text of Mark chapter 6, the only sinner. That's startling to me. The only sinner that Jesus refused to speak to was Herod. And the reason Jesus refused to speak to him is because he had cut off God's voice in his life. Herod's in hell tonight. But we can commit the same sin. Oh, we won't go to hell because we're saved. But We can commit the same sin as a believer in silencing God's voice when we skip the church, when we snub the preacher, when we sadden the Holy Spirit. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. It's not the message I wanted to preach tonight. Had another message. But Scott in my Bible. Had the outline. Ready to go. That's one I wanted to preach tonight. But when it came time to leave for the meeting, Holy Spirit said, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. And I said Lord I'll preach what you want me to preach but I got to know what it is. And the Lord seemed to say "Uh uh-huh to what I tried to preach tonight. I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed who could lift their hand and say preacher I know that I know that I know that I know that if I were to die right now heaven is my eternal home I'm saved and sure Saved and sure, you'd lift it and leave it. Saved and sure. All over. All over. Thank you, may put them down. You're here tonight and you couldn't raise your hand, but you would lift it now and by raising it, you're saying, preacher, I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ. I don't want to die and go to a devil's hell. I need to be saved. And Right now, dear one, you'd lift your hand I need to be saved I bless you there sweetheart Will there be someone else need to trust Christ you're here tonight and as a Christian you'd say preacher I didn't realize it it certainly was not knowingly but preacher I've been cutting off God's voice and tonight God spoke to me about it you lift your hand God spoke to me preacher God bless you there God bless you there I I, I didn't realize it God bless you there says it wasn't deliberate it wasn't on purpose but I've been cutting off God's voice. Why don't you right now come? There's no place in all the world like an old fashioned altar to do business with God. Just get up and come. You're here tonight and you're a Christian. And you say, Preacher, I listen carefully and not with a haughtier, high minded heart. But I, I've, not, I've not cut off God's voice that I know. But I realize the frailty of my flesh. And preacher, if I ever get close, even close, I want God to bring me back to a Monday night revival meeting, 2016, and remind me of what I heard preached. He'd say, preacher, that's me, that's me. If I ever get close, that's me. If I ever get close, hands going up all over. That's me, that's me. I want God to bring me back to tonight. Then why don't you seal that in an old-fashioned altar. We stand to our feet as we stand. Heavenly Father, thank you for the kind attention of these my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray that not one in any way would grieve, resist, or quench the Holy Ghost. May this be a time of great and glorious victory. Lord, I pray. That you'd give us a new appreciation for your voice in our lives. Lord, forgive us where we've skipped the church. Lord, forgive us where we've snubbed the preacher. And Lord, forgive us where we've saddened the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm convinced It wasn't a statement made off the cuff. I'm I'm convinced that we would have a revival that would make the history books and headlines of heaven. if We just stopped as believers cutting off your voice in our lives. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed. The song leader begins to sing a hymn of invitation. These altars are open. Something you
1: I can, can hear the Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, oh.
2: Miss Amy's playing you look this way I don't think I have to tell you how much we needed that message I'll say this to you I've said this many times in the years of preaching the worst thing God could do would not be to punish us take our toys or cause us to lose our jobs or whatever else but the worst thing that could happen to us was be that God leave us alone. If you study anything about the Bible, you know that there was a period where God did not speak. God's people rebelled, turned on Him. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, about 700 years, nobody heard a word from God. That scares me about America. That scares me about our churches. I thank God for that still, small voice. You know what some of you need to do tonight? Listen to me. I believe I'm right. You need to let the dove go. What I mean by that is where he leads I will follow. How much does the Holy Ghost lead you in your life? You ever thought about it? Of your everyday life, 24 hours a day, how much of your life is led by the Holy Ghost of God? Thank you, preacher, for that message.